Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic are Christmas traditions. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. And I think we should start with, there are no wrong traditions. Absolutely. I and mean, people get really caught up in this and having the right wrapping paper and the right this, and especially in the days of Instagram and Facebook, mm. that whole lifestyle thing. Yeah. You get caught up in the, if it doesn't look perfect, if it isn't right, if it isn't what is current, then it's not good. Totally. And I can't imagine like what teenager pressure must be to have the perfectly wrapped gift. Oy. Yeah, no. Christmas traditions, holiday traditions are just things that you enjoy doing over and over again. And I think that if you have one of those that you're not enjoying, it's okay to let it go. Find a new one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally chuck it out the window. That's kind of a caveat as we get started talking about these. And some of these things, you know, this is a ELCA Lutheran Christian podcast, but you'll note that some of the things that we talk about have nothing to do with faith. They are, right? <laughs> something to do with cooking and something to do with other things. Right, but maybe not faith. But if we have things that bring us joy, I think God is in that. Well, and it's a way to build community as much as anything, right? Totally. And to nurture community and to nurture relationship. And God is all about that. So traditions... Hopefully, I think if I want to say what is a good holiday tradition, a good holiday tradition is something that you find joyful, that you find encourages you to participate in community Okay. in some way, even if that means that it is deeply restful for your soul and so you're ready to be around people again after you've done that. Okay. My definition of healing is something that makes you feel whole and restored to a community. Not just like something that cures you and makes you feel better, but something that is restorative and community-based. And so I think a good holiday tradition will be healing in that way. Okay. And so whatever that means, go for it. And if it doesn't mean that, if you're participating in holiday traditions that are not upbuilding, and are not healing for you, then perhaps it's time to reconsider that. Okay, fair enough. Now, this means my son is going to listen to this and throw any sort of caroling right out the window because it's not uplifting for him in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Some things we do out of love for our community. Absolutely. Right. And it's tough because there are obligations and there are things that we commit to doing that are not necessarily joyful and awesome. And that's totally fair to bring up. That just means that when you're an adult and able to make the choices of what traditions are there, you Mm -hmm. may not choose to continue that one. So I think it's tough when you're a kid and you get voluntold into things, but then again, you can't know what you will or won't want to carry on if you don't experience some things. Mm -hmm. So both and there. It's been interesting as my kids get older, what they seem to think is necessary as far as tradition goes Mm. and what isn't. Totally. And how much they're invested in them. Because we'd put up a tree 
And for many years, it's more mom-driven in terms of they would just want to put up every ornament and it would be the lower third of the tree because that's all the higher that they could reach. (laughs) This year, now at 11 and 17, they finally took a little ownership of it. Mm -hmm. And the younger one had a very distinct idea of what ornaments and what type and what style she wanted on the tree. And the older one... Wanted nothing to do with that, except he did finally say, I have a set of ornaments that if it doesn't go on the tree, it doesn't feel like Christmas without them, which I thought was fascinating from a 17-year-old boy. It's so true, though, right? I mean, there are just some things that you grab onto, but it takes a little while to be able to articulate it Mm -hmm. in the years. And I've been thinking of the Christmas tree when I was growing up as my tree for years because I was the one who found the tree, and I was the one who decorated the tree. But I bet I didn't start doing that until high school. Yeah. And so that's that perspective thing as people grow up. Oh, I remember we had a really sad, straggly-looking artificial tree, which had these color-shaped tips on the branches that you would (laughs) stick in. And you could bend them in Uh any way you wanted. Totally had one of those. That was the saddest Charlie Brown tree in all the land, but I insisted on putting that sucker up because that was the tree of my childhood. And I was probably well into high school, and my mother, I'm sure, wanted that thing gone (laughs) for years. I remember having to take those trees apart and, like, try to figure out how to Mm -hmm. chuck them all into the box and how ripped up your hands would be from the fake pine needles. Oh, yeah. Plastic, baby. Yep. 1970s plastic is unkind to hands. It really is. I still have an artificial tree now, and I love the fact that I can move the branches to where I need them to go (laughs) (laughs) so that there's room for my favorite ornaments. We got the kids started on a fresh tree, and we don't go chop it down because my husband put the ixnay on that one after a few bad experiences. (laughs) So now the tradition is to go find one at some tree lot somewhere that we know is going to help something. Nice. Nice. But I did find one when it was just my husband and I, and we just moved out here. It's a little, maybe three foot tinsel tree Uh on a garage sale for five bucks. I will not give that thing up, but that is the only artificial (laughs) tree I want to store. Nice. Mm -hmm. I had a miniature artificial one in college. Sure. Hallmark has those miniature Christmas tree ornaments. And so for many years, from like, I'd say 96 on, until maybe only a few years ago, I had a new miniature ornament from every year. But I haven't actually put that tree up Mm. in probably seven or eight years, which is interesting. I love that little tree. And I actually had to graduate to a larger little tabletop (laughs) tree because I had so many ornaments for it. That is hilarious. So Christmas trees are an obvious example of Christmas traditions and things that matter. And people talk about having a star on the top or an angel on the top and those kind of traditions. Does your family have other ones that are like holiday Christmas traditions? We typically have an advent calendar. Okay. At least one, if not more. With chocolate or with other things? I had to give up on the chocolate. When the kids were young, it was one of those things that unfortunately was tied to behavior. (laughs) So for a while, there would be a backlog of chocolate. Oh, dear. Which is not good. (laughs) And then we switched to the Lego advent calendar, which was great. That's cool. But now they're older. Yeah. 
So now it's just back down to the magnets counting down the days. Okay. Which is perfectly fine. Yep. My mother has made one. It's a quilted wall hanging type with buttons on a tree, and you move the stars from the outside onto the tree, and it's like Mm -hmm. little bears decorating a tree with stars. And so that's the little advent calendar that we have. I have to admit, we've also been sadly lacking in cookies at my house. Mm. But hopefully this weekend, just in the last hours before Christmas, we will get some cookies (laughs) baked and decorated. (laughs) Nice. Even I have been tempted to bake cookies this year, and I am not a baker of any kind. And I've even been like, hmm, I could bake some cookies. I don't know what I'm going to do with the cookies. You know what the problem with it is? All I really need is like 10 cookies. I just want to decorate some very prettily. But every cookie recipe ends up with like 3,000 cookies. Right? And then what do you do with exactly. all the, Well, you give them away. I know that that's the theory is then you give them away. Well, especially when you have decorated them with kids. Right. Not only do you have 3,000 cookies, you have 3,000 cookies with an inch of icing and oh. another inch of any sort of decoration you could put on top. <laughs> it's way more sugar than you need. And as someone who doesn't much care for icing, yeah, okay, I can see, yeah. Give me a sugar cookie with nothing on it, and I am happy. Exactly. Oh, goodness. All right, so one of the ones from my household is the Wandering Wise Men. Oh, okay. I, I know we've talked about this in when we've talked about the nativity scene, mm-hmm. and we've talked about different pieces. So for me, since... 2008-ish. This is what I was going to ask. Is this like a childhood thing that you've nope. carried on? No. Nope. This is since 2008 when my colleague down south at my first call told me about this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I have to do that. Mm-hmm. The wise men do not show up in the Christmas story until Epiphany, which is the 12th day of Christmas. That's right? January 6th for all of you who are bad at math. <laughs> so the wise men shouldn't actually be in the nativity scene until no. January 6th, right? So one... As snarky teenagers, we loved to point this out to my family. I'm sure. So for me, one, I get to keep my Christmas tree up longer. Absolutely. Which always delights my heart and is another benefit of the artificial tree. I never have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And two... My nativity set is fun because then it can kind of grow throughout the season. But the wise men, the wise guys, start out somewhere else in the household. And then, like, through the weeks, they wander. This is so much better than Elf on a Shelf. (laughs) It's so much better than Mm -hmm. Elf on a Shelf. I'm really partial to not liking Elf on a Shelf. So I used to have, like, a little tea table set up in my... Dining uh-huh. room, and so they started at the tea table with to get nourishment, and then they would like. <laughs> you actually made a story. Oh, I, I totally love it. make a story, and so then they like climb the mountain of the wardrobe, and then eventually they make it to like the kitchen and get more provisions. But then you know they need a bathroom stop, so they end up in the bathroom. And the first Is time it's I... purely for you, or does anybody else in your household know what's going on? My poor husband. The first time he found them in the bathroom, he's like. What are they doing? And I'm like, well, they had to use a restroom. Nice. It was a pit stop. So I don't know that my family really enjoys it as much as I do, but it just brings my heart such delight. And a couple of years ago, my stepdaughter and I painted My Little Pony figurines from oh, Walgreens. Nice. And so there was a quite a while where the wise men were conferring with Pinkie Pie to plan the best celebration as one does as one does when getting ready to meet the messiah that's fantastic yeah so that's one of the traditions that i do enjoy is sending the wise men wandering throughout the house 
Oh, man. All right. So back to Elf on the Shelf for a moment. Uh-huh. I have a confession to make. Uh-huh. I'm too lazy for Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> Same way I was too lazy to be a lot of things. <laughs> I was not the Tooth Fairy and I was not Santa. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be off on a shelf. <laughs> to those of you who do enjoy that tradition, enjoy the heck out of it. It is all for you. There are some traditions for some people That's and right. some for others. That's right. All right. So one of the other things that I love about Christmas and holidays in general are the different recipes that come out. Sure. So do you have a specific recipe that shouts holiday to you? Oh, man. See, here's the thing. When I was a kid, it was turkey, 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 both for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. And Christmas Eve, to make things easier, because they would always go to midnight mass, which was always at 10 o'clock, which we always mocked them for. (laughs) We would have soup. Yep. Chili. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, oyster stew. Yep. I've heard of that. And I'm not sure why. Yep. Maybe somebody will write in and let us know. That would be great. I would love to know what the history and why oyster stew comes in. And I've heard like New Year's, lots of seafood at New Uh Year's too. But for us specifically, my husband has decided that he's going to make cinnamon rolls for breakfast for Mm. Christmas morning. Nice. So in between the services, he has roped my son now, who's old enough, into making cinnamon rolls. And they're overnight cinnamon rolls. And that means I don't have to do anything for Christmas morning, which is utterly delightful. That is awesome. And they're like homemade. They're not the Pillsbury pop can. Oh, no. There's no popping open nothing. Oh, yeah. I've got a pop can in my fridge right now. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So for me... There's a cheddar cheese ball. Oh, okay. That shouts holiday. I could make this cheddar cheese ball any day of the year I wanted to. <laughs> but it's you not, don't. But I don't. Partially because I eat the entire thing on my own when no one else is there to enjoy it. Uh-huh. And at the holidays, maybe someone else will be there to help me eat it. Otherwise, I'm eating all of the entire block of cream cheese. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking about the one that I haven't made because my best friend is allergic to blue cheese. Oh, that is the saddest thing I've ever heard. Isn't it sad? (laughs) I know, right? So it's a blue cheese and black olive cheese ball that I haven't made in a couple of years. And sadly, my best friend is not joining me for holidays this year. So maybe... I in her make, honor <laughs> or or to mourn her exactly. non, non-presence I shall make the blue cheese cheese ball this year that's a concept there's another recipe my mother found years ago but it requires a percolator to be able to make it okay and you know there's a church right below us I know <laughs> and there's inevitably a percolator so church percolators are normally like 50,000 cups? Right. 10-gallon percolators. My mom had found on some, like, yard sale somewhere. Sure. One of the, like, little household percolators. Uh Uh-huh. And you use, I think it's pineapple juice and cranberry juice. And in the basket, you put brown sugar and a cinnamon stick and cloves. And then you let the juice perk through. Sure. Oh, it is so good. It's the most amazing spiced punch ever. And I haven't had it in years because I haven't found a small enough percolator 
to be able to make it. But I'm thinking, I'm pondering mm-hmm. making it for between services on Christmas Eve this year. Oh, sure. If I can discover the church's percolator and if the church's percolator isn't coffee flavored. Oh, that would be a rather large downfall. Right? You can't do spiced punch in a coffee percolator. There's no amount of rum that's going to mask that coffee flavor. No, and this one is non-alcoholic. I know. So it's for all kids, right? I'm thinking of that after the last service. (laughs) (laughs) For those who may need it. A little holiday cheer. A little holiday cheer. (laughs) That one is one of those that I remember it, and I loved the flavor of it, and I would love to find a percolator. So if anyone sees a small, like, 10-cup percolator that's not coffeeed out... Give a shout. Give a shout. All right. What are other things that you find are happy, joyful, exciting Christmas traditions? I miss caroling. It's something that I used to do in high school. And my husband and I threaten the kids with every year. And we did actually buy a bell kit that my son can wear so he doesn't have to sing. Yes. Yet we still haven't done it. Okay. As much as we threaten to do it, we still haven't done it. Someday. Someday. One that I have intended to do and have meant to do in the past but still have yet to do are what are called joy jars. Okay. Never heard of it. This is one that has circled around like the Pinterest community and that kind of thing. Is it mason jar adjacent? Yes, it is. Well, there you go. (laughs) There you go. And the idea is I think a lot of folks have done them on New Year's resolution-y? Not necessarily resolution-y, but starting the new year. Sure. And so you take a jar of some kind and you decorate it in some happy way and mark it with the year. And then throughout the year, whenever you have a really joyful experience or something really good happens, you write it down and put it into your joy jar for the year. Very nice. So at this time of year, you can open up your joy jar and read through an entire year's worth of joyful memories. I guarantee you've forgotten the, all the small stuff. Right? And those little pieces of the daily stuff are pretty cool. So I suggested something similar to this as an advent mm-hmm. opportunity for families this year that you could get like a small jar somewhere or something and put that with your advent wreath. And as a family, light the candles and then write down what you're joyful or hopeful or where you've seen love in the world or those kinds of things and then pop them into the jar. And then on Christmas Day, you could go around and you could read them and you would have just the season of Advent's worth of this kind of a thing. We went so far, thanks to my daughter, as to have the four candles and the jar. That's However, cool. it's sadly empty. <laughs> Every single blue sticky in my household is totally from me. I know exactly who it's from. My husband looked at it, I think it was even last night, and he's like, uh, so this jar, was I supposed to be putting stuff in this? (laughs) And I'm like, no, honey, you told me at the beginning that you wouldn't. It's okay. I've been doing it for me. It's okay. But it's a great idea. And that's one of the things I think we're going to be talking about, uh, failure and confession and forgiveness in the future podcast. And when we set these kind of intentions, how do we not just say, well, that was a dumb idea. I feel badly. I'm not going to do this anymore. But maybe bring it out again the next year and try it anyway. And if you try a joy jar for 2018, even if you only put three things in it all year long, don't give up on it for 2019. Traditions grow, right? These kinds of things, when we start them, 
it's hard to get started into that things like a habit and to make things fun. And it's not until you're 17, maybe, that you know exactly what ornaments on the tree make it Christmas. Exactly. And give yourself some space because the other thing people have a hard time with is when you cannot do what your family has always done. Yeah. And there is always room for new traditions. Totally. And that gets really hard on people, especially when they're far away or if they've lost things. You know, when you lose your ornaments because there's been a hurricane Mm -hmm. or you lose things because there has been a house fire or a wildfire that has taken everything from you. Or you can't get back because you can't afford the tickets. Right. All of those pieces, finding ways to be gentle with yourself around what is a tradition and how can you honor that in some way or create a new one. It's a tender thing, so be kind to yourself and be hopeful. It's easier to start a new tradition than you think it is. Absolutely. This said by women who are older but not old and have moved far away from there. Exactly. (laughs) Far away. Exactly. All right, so we would be remiss if we didn't talk about worship services. Mm. And I think there were a few years, for whatever reason, we didn't go to one. But for my husband especially, a Mm -hmm. service on Christmas Eve is necessary. Yeah. And for me, if I'm doing a service on Christmas Eve, there better be a candle. Yeah, totally. And Silent Night. Absolutely. And Martin, our musician, and I were just talking about that a bit this afternoon. What is it about Silent Night and Candlelight that makes it so special? And we have theories, but... It would be interesting, folks who are listening, if that is a particular tradition that resonates with you, is there a memory? What is it about candlelight and silent night at the end of a Christmas Eve worship service that matters to you? Mm -hmm. I would be very interested in hearing that. Me too. Okay, last question. What is the one thing you need for it to be Christmas? Very interestingly enough, for me, Christmas Eve worship. Yeah. And not from childhood and growing up because we never attended. So we never did Christmas Eve worship until the year that I was baptized. And in 97, I wanted to go to Christmas Eve worship. And I took the gentleman who would become my stepfather, Mm -hmm. so my pop and my mom, and we went to Christmas Eve worship for the first time that year. And that was the first time I experienced the candlelight silent night. And I have attended every year since then. And starting in the year 2000, that was the year that I started seminary. Mm -hmm. And 2001 was the year that I started spending time with other clergy on Christmas. And so 2001 was my first multiple service Christmas Eve. Oh, man. And I was spending it with clergy. And so... In between the, I think that that congregation had four or five services that night. And so in between the services, the two pastors and I were sitting in the senior pastor's office drinking wine and eating Christmas cookies that people had (laughs) left on their desks. (laughs) Sure. And that grew over the years to probably my favorite Christmas tradition, and that is Christmas Eve, spending the whole day pretty much at the church, Uh the whole night at the church. And it's a quieter day than Easter. 
it's a calmer celebration than Easter. Okay. And there haven't been like a marathon of services leading up to it in the same sure. way that Holy Week is. Holy Week feels very different. And coming in and it just being a quiet kind of thing and people slowly coming in in the evening. And I'm a night owl. So night services are easier on me sure. than early morning Easter services. So it's in my prime time of day and getting to spend time at the first service and enjoy the joy and the kids and the beauty of it. And then in between services, I always have a meal for my staff mm -hmm. who are going to be with me. And we have an informal meal and make sure that there's something yummy in the crock pot. And we gather together and we enjoy the time and then... In this congregation, there's enough time between services to really have some downtime. Sure. And then just really wonderful opportunity to hang out on the front porch and welcome people as they show up for the 11 o'clock because we do have a midnight mass here that ends at midnight. Uh-huh. And that late night service and that beautiful candlelight. And I get the best seat in the house. And I wish I'm still trying to figure out how to make this happen for members because I get to look out and see the entire congregation bathed in the light mm -hmm. and just see the beautiful faces and the congregation to see each other. Like maybe you can see the person next to you in the back of somebody's head, but you can't see the whole congregation lit up in this candlelight. No, this is the one time you really need to sit further front and turn around and look back. It's so beautiful. That for me is Christmas. And I don't do anything on Christmas Day. <laughs> and I, I don't cook. I'm really dead and all those things. But that moment of getting to see my people at peace and hopeful and lit in that light. And I get to feed my staff. And I get to thank them for their amazing service through the year. And it's so beautiful. It's my favorite worship service. And it's my favorite night of the year. I just love it. That's lovely. So that's what makes it Christmas for me. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Christmas traditions. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas. If you are here in the Portland area and you have listened to this prior to Christmas Eve, you are so welcome to join us at 5.30 or 11 o'clock. And... If you're listening to this later through the year, check our website for the current times from 2018 onwards to make sure we're still holding services at those same times. I hope that you have some fabulous Christmas traditions that you are enjoying. We would love to hear from you. You can write us a note on Facebook or email us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.